Welcome back to the Real Estate Roundtable presented by Home ASAP. In today's episode, we talk with mortgage and sales expert Pat Sherlock about the relationships between real estate agents and lenders. She shares practical advice for agents when choosing lenders to work with. Plus, we discuss the results of a recent survey that shows how the industry is adjusting as life returns to normal post-pandemic. All right. Well, well, thank you for joining everybody. Uh, I have a really special program today with a special guest. And uh, I'm John Marshall, the president and CEO of Home ASAP, uh, along with John Walker, who's head of our content marketing. And uh, with us today is a special guest, uh, Pat Sherlock, who is the founder and president of QFS Sales Solutions. And I'll let Pat give a quick introduction and then we'll get into the content of our discussion today. Pat? Well, thanks, John. I'm excited to be here and to share a little bit of the insight on the mortgage space and just to talk a little bit about myself. My consulting business is involved with uh, strategic consulting and also with sales training. So our purpose is to help companies and individuals succeed their sales goals. So we spent a lot of time in the whole financial sector from mortgage banking companies to banking firms. And so um, I'm excited to share kind of what we see and how this relates to your, your realtors and making the relationship better. Great, great. And that really was the uh, the topic for today and that we're right literally at the midpoint of the year 2021 after a lot of change out of the uh, pandemic affected uh, 2020 year and moving halfway into this year. Now it looks like the pandemic is easing, markets are starting to spring back, uh, still seeing a persistent level of uh, inventory shortage, but sales volume has still been very strong despite that shortage. The turnover has been very fast and a lot of new dynamics in the market as the uh, uh, refinance boom is, is slowly waning with, with rising interest rates. And the outlook is, of course, that rates are going to continue to rise. So I thought that it was really a timely sit, uh, point to discuss, you know, what are loan, off, loan originators, mortgage originators doing to get back into the purchase money business in a big way now that their uh, pipeline of refis is uh, dwindling and they're working their backlog off. And this would be an area, Pat, where I think you could give um, mm-hmm. agents a lot of intelligence as to, you know, what should they expect from their loan officers now in this kind of new normal and, and helping them, you know, grow their business and help their purchase money clients uh, get those get those homes that they're, they're competing for, which is something very different from, let's say, 2019, before all this happened, before the refi boom. Uh, so we've got a lot of new dynamics, and and it'd be very helpful to, for agents to hear what you're telling your loan officer clients, and how to really get back in and be a player in the more, in the purchase money side and earn those purchase referrals, and help their agents get those deals done. So I'd, I'd be interested to hear your what you're you're telling your clients at this point. Well, John, you certainly covered a lot of topics, and I guess I would first start out with, obviously, last year, 2020, was a historic year for the mortgage lending arena. We did almost $4 trillion in volume. That was never done. It was really historic in many ways. Um, But this year, when we move into 2021, we're talking about a market that is still 67% refis. So it is still a large part of the volume that lenders are dealing with. And their pipelines are not as full as they were in 2020, but certainly a little bit less in 2021. Uh, The reality 
reality of it is, and you've hit the nail on the head, is that uh, the Mortgage Bankers Association projects in the fourth quarter will move to 25% refinancing. And actually 2022 looks like the same types of numbers. So we're moving back to the original part of the business, which it's always been. The last 18 months have been historic and been, certainly been difficult for a lot of lenders. So I would tell you that the answer to your big question is what are lenders doing? I will tell you the smart lenders recognize that refinance do come and go, but the realtor relationship is really the heart, really the heart of the industry. And your top originators uh, recognize that and always continue those types of relationships. So I think it's going to be a difficult market for some lenders that are certainly not as smart and have really not focused on the realtor relationships. So I think those lenders will have difficulty. Um, as you can see in our business, we've had a lot of IPOs in the last 12 months or so. So lenders are certainly raising capital to really move to a much more technology favored type of uh, relationship with the borrower and the realtor. So a lot of investment is going on, which I think bodes well for the relationship between the lender and the realtor. But again, the smart lenders and the smart originators, your top producer uh, from the origination standpoint, always value the relationships of the realtors. And when you look at different studies that have been done just recently, your top producers are pretty much getting all of their business from realtors. So that doesn't go away. Certainly some lenders and some originators concentrated on the refinancing, but it's clear that it's going to end and that's going to be trouble for a lot of people. Right, right. And you're seeing that you're seeing the you know mortgage banker uh, application volumes dropping, actually dropping for both refi and purchase a little right. bit just because there, there's a little bit of a lull right now, even at the purchase volume. But but on the refi, certainly there's been a decline in, in the application volume. And so with that and, and with what, uh, you know, as you would say, the, the solid originators that have stuck with their agents and been a reliable purchase money source, how are they helping the agent's clients in this market where you've got you know, multiple offers, you've got uh, cash buyers, you've got you know, a highly competitive market, but what are they doing to really help those borrowers compete with cash buyers and with multiple offers uh, well over the list price. Right. It's definitely a challenge for sure. And, and certainly if you look at the leader in our marketplace, which is Quicken slash Rocket, you are talking about they have come out with some things that I think are pretty interesting. Um, and that's uh, 24 our underwriting. So the idea behind is that if you get the application in at seven o'clock at night, the next day that we'll have an answer. And that's supposedly supposed to be full underwriting. So again, some lenders are trying to match that. But as a whole, I think you are seeing kind of a mixed bag um, when it comes to is it a pre-approval or is it full underwriting? So there's a lot of that is really still going on. Um, but Rocket certainly has set the standard of trying to really uh, understand speed does matter, especially when you're doing uh, cash offers. I think the more interesting things that are going on in the market that some of the mortgage companies are joint venturing with other firms that have received a lot of um, venture capital money. Um, there's a firm called Accept, there's a firm called Ribbon, um, and yesterday, 
Toma came out with seed money that I think is a really interesting concept. So what are those companies about? They really are some version of pre-approvals for the mortgage application and the speed component and accepts and ribbons case. They are firms that will pay cash and then in other words, sell the house to the home buyer once they've all gone through the mortgage process. What makes Toma really kind of a game changer, which we'll see how this plays out, is that they are guaranteeing that the closing will happen when it's supposed to happen. So I think more of the interesting types of strategies going on um, are outside of the industry in a way where these uh, entrepreneurial firms are taking advantage and coming in where the mortgage industry, especially if it's been bank or more mortgage banking driven, um, has had difficulty adjusting to, they had high volume, they had to go through a lot of hiring, there's been technology investments, but it's all happened at once. And so it does offer some interesting plays that people are doing. So I do think the cash buyer and how uh, the entities deal with that, it looks like other companies will be the actual purchaser and then the, they'll hold the house for the borrower and then they'll sell it to a mortgage company. That looks to be the standard kind of approach. But I think Thomas is really saying something completely different. And that just happened this week that they made this announcement mm-hmm. that they raised some money. But I do think it's an interesting play. The lender, as you know, John, uh, is that um, they really are really kind of dependent upon the investors and the investors side of it is really um, hasn't waived a lot of appraisals that did happen last year with COVID, not as much now. Uh, Inspections really are something that again, they're not really able to waive. Um, And so a a lot of those types of things, um, the lenders are really, held back because of the investor guidelines. So you're really talking about Fannie and Freddie, which is most of our market that really determines what the lenders are doing. That's why I think these other companies are coming in because they're trying to offer a whole a whole different strategy, which typical mortgage companies haven't done. Right, right. And that is that that that's a lot of friction, particularly when you're competing with a cash buyer that can essentially streamline all of those contingencies. Right which to a seller would be the ideal scenario, reduces their risk of, of anything. You take, you even see comments now from agents about they're not telling their clients to do really much in terms of fixing up their properties, basically right. sell it as right. is and, and uh, no inspections, um, the, the, the appraisal is not even a contingency uh, and basically the, the buyer is left kind of holding the bag, but as a cash buyer, they're the principal, so it's right. it's their bag to hold. Uh, where the lender would obviously not not want to be in that risk position. So, uh, and that does change kind of the dynamic of what would be the typical uh, process. And and we just recently completed a agent survey about their lenders, and I thought some of the information that came out of that was very interesting. And the one that that I thought was interesting is still a large proportion of the agents uh, when they first work with their customer, they don't have a lender when they come in, they may be pre-approved, pre-qualified maybe, but they really aren't kind of solidly working with a lender and, and then turn around. And as typical in the industry years ago, the the consumer would follow the recommended lender of the agent because the agent works with, as you said, these very 
you know, uh, the, the top producers that have been reliable, steady, purchase money, lenders, and they build those relationships and they know they're going to get the deal done and they work through the problems and get it closed on time. And those, that's who they recommend. And even if they came in pre-approved by one lender, they essentially end up with the recommended lender. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic to see where a company like Quicken, which has been a direct lender, now trying to get in purchase money, which is really an indirect channel in the old days, they're trying to become a direct lender and build their own referral network of agents that they will send those leads to and continue working with them, that customer as a bar, as the lender, uh, no matter who they go with in terms of the agent and what home they buy. So that's going to be a different dynamic, but it was still very strong among at least the survey results we got. Large majority still the, the agent kind of drives where that that uh, that lender, who, who the lender is, and and uh, even uh, even more interesting is even if the brokerage that they work with has an affiliated mortgage lending company, mm-hmm. less than half actually use it, right. <laughs> which yeah. again speaks to the relationship that right. they have with their proven mortgage broker. A lot made comments about they work with somebody local, that local relationship, right. somebody they can talk to. In the old days, they'd be getting in front of, but not so much now. So that's going to be a new dynamic in this market on top of the other interesting elements of the, the strong uh, influence of cash buyers and high competitive uh, bid auction situations. Well, John, I think you make a really good point, but I would say similar to the realtor, it's the same challenge that the originator has, and that is that who is the borrower going to first call? You have to be the first call. And so if you're not the first call, being the third call, you really, they're not going to that. Even though there's been so many different regulations from the Consumer Finance Board, this whole thing to set up shopping, that really hasn't happened in practicality. And so that's why I would say with a smart originators, they recognize how important the realtor is. And likewise, the realtor needs to make sure that they're dealing with a competent, knowledgeable originator that looks at this relationship as a two-way relationship. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And that means that um, the type of service levels that they're giving to the agent, um, the, the type of being able to identify the problems in the loan early instead of waiting to the end, which sometimes happens quite a bit. And so that really shouldn't happen. Um, and so this relationship, I don't really see it going away. Obviously, what is going away are the people that aren't able to do it aren't really going to be viable in the mortgage banking business. And I think you will see consolidation as a result of that. Right, right. Yeah, and the technology piece may be one of the, the bridges to that, that it empowers, because uh, I always found in my experience that um, the communication is always pretty weak. And right. it, the, the more you can move away from personal communication to a technology-driven communication channel where you can see your status of your loan and the conditions or the uh, the remaining items through an online portal or, or you know through a tracker um, certainly will help solve some of those problems because that's the most common cr- criticism of, of right. the agents is just lack of communication uh, even to the point of as you mentioned where you know uh, knowing up front where some of the problems are and resolving them and here as opposed to hearing them later in the process when now you're racing to close and all of a sudden you've got outstanding items to clear that could have been cleared 
weeks ago. Um, right. So, and and then the big biggest thing right now, and I'm hearing it from uh, a lot of originators, is is just scheduling the appraisals is actually becoming a huge problem because in this market, you know, and because of uh, regulations, they they can't schedule directly. They've got to go through the, yeah, the different okay. service companies, and so. Uh, and it's clearly during COVID, there's a lot of problems in getting uh, any kind of on-site appraisals, uh, inspections, et cetera. But even now, appraisals are a big problem and delay closing, which becomes another challenge in, in winning that, that house. You've got a contingency that's putting risk, uh, even if you've got a higher offer than the cash buyer. So you're seeing a lot of the, the challenges with that. Right. Well, when you look at the average time for a purchase money loan to close, it's somewhere around 42 days now. Again, that's a lot better than it was, but certainly it's not fabulous either. And I think that's why you're seeing uh, venture capitalists, investment companies are kind of doing it a different way. And I think that's going to lend itself to uh, a, a more of a commitment of how do we improve this process? I think when you look at what Quicken and Rockin has talked about, you know, they talk about being able to do the analytical side, investigation side through technology. That still isn't the case that more, most lenders, um, I'd say 99% are still, it's a paper trail that is being managed maybe on the web, but it's certainly still a paper trail. So I do think, and I think when we're receiving as an industry appraisal waivers, when you think about it, you know, Fannie Mae has been around since 1938. And so they have land on every house in the United States, I'm sure by now. And so there is internally those types of data points. And so I think we're in a tipping point, both on the investor side of it and also on the lender's end of it, because um, these things that we have as technology, we need to now use them. And I think that's what's happened with COVID is that there's now been greater use. For instance, um, uh, remote online uh, notaries. In other words, things that we've had, um, but now this has really caused it. And so it's gotta be interesting how it plays out, but it's pretty clear both the realtor and the originator is dealing with a younger 20 to 40 year old person who's tech savvy and this whole, minutia that's incurred when they go to apply for the loan and how it gets handled is a, is a problem. And it's been a problem. And certainly I see it as a, a great opportunity for these other companies that are get, getting venture capital money to see if they're redoing it in a much different way. So I think it's lending itself to being really a lot of changes coming in the industry. Um, but again, we'll have to see how it really plays out. But at this point, 42 days is still not exactly fast, and so, no. so um, that is a problem for sure. A, a borrower doesn't understand why it takes so long, and and certainly it takes so long um, because of all the hoops that the lender has to go through. The reverification because of COVID, they had to reverify the employment uh, right prior to the closing, even though they had already verified it before. So they are really being driven by the agency who do really almost 75% of the loans. And so those standards get pushed down to the lender. And so this all reverification, all of that takes time. And I think it has made the process 
a lot longer than it needs to be. But you hit a good point about the appraisals. I mean, there's a, as an industry, um, not a lot of people are going into that business. I mean, so long-term, how are we going to verify the value of a property? I would make the argument that the agencies have the ability to do it analytically, somewhat like the Wall Street firms do. So. Right, right. Yeah, you think about, uh, you mentioned they've both agencies probably over the year, since the home was built, probably have financed it many times. And so yeah. they, and they've got uh, the, the appraisal form and all the data of that appraisal form sitting in their data banks and could do trending analysis and, and right. neighboring. I mean, they, they've got enough data to basically build their own uh, AVM okay. to, uh, to manage the, the risk. So yeah, it, it really is a, a bureaucratic impediment, if you will, based on the agency approach. But uh, let's turn kind of to the, because uh, I know one of the areas that you've been uh, cons- consulting with your clients on in terms of, you know, getting getting their uh, mortgage loan officers out and and uh, building those relationships with with agents. What are some of the key recommendations you're making that that uh, and and you typically speak more at the enterprise level to uh, to, sure. the, to the lenders and 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 the management to to their loan originators and what they need to do to go out and build that business rebuild that business or solidify the business they get from agents? What are some of the key uh, business development and marketing points that you're, you're recommending for those, uh, sure. uh, for those loan officers? Because that's really, when I look at it, this is what the agent should be expecting. What should they be expecting of their loan officer to earn that business? Well, sure. I mean, it's a great question. And there's kind of two prongs to it. Uh, certainly, we're involved at the loan officer level, because that is the engine that drives every mortgage company and what's going on at that level. So let's talk about that first. And then we can talk about what should the realtor expect from the loan officer. And again, we know the data from looking at it over many, many years. And uh, actually, MGIC came out with another analysis of what do the top producers do. Um, Well, no surprise, top producers, 97% of their business comes from realtors. Um, So what are they doing with the realtors? Well, they're hosting events, they're giving referrals uh, to the realtor, and likewise, the realtor is giving referrals back to them. So it's a two-way relationship. So we know what the better originators have done. In many ways, maybe that is something that has been, you know, is not rocket science, but doing it and executing on it and having your own business model that really emphasizes the relationship and keeping in touch and having events, all of those things still are uh, a powerful way to help the realtor build their business and likewise help um, the originator build theirs. Both sides of them are 100% commission people. um, So it's in both their interests to do that. So we know what works. It's a question of, and certainly one of the arenas that they've also added more recently is certainly activity on social media, the Facebook marketing, things that that you folks are involved with. So realtors are doing that. Likewise, the better originators are doing that. And that all of that together really cements a relationship that is a mutual relationship. And I think the good originators understand that and operate their business model that way. And the research proves that. Now, on the other side, what should a realtor think? What should they be looking for from the standpoint of, of selecting the loan officer that they're going to refer their clients to? Um, we've already touched upon it, that that realtor should receive 
positive interactions, frequent interactions during this process because they're having more contacts with the borrower than necessarily the originator uh, does. Because when you think about the way our system is set up, is the originator is really involved in the transaction up until an application is taken. And that's all governed by uh, the consumer finance rules and TRID and so forth. So once that application happens, then it moves to the other side of our business, which is the fulfillment side of it. And so then that interactions. But the good originators are staying on top of it and contacting the realtor, contacting the bar through this process. And this process is relatively long. It's 42 days. So a realtor should expect that type of follow-up. If you're not getting it, I would certainly look for another originator. You have to assume, and this is the other side to it, 75% of our products are conventional. So not only does the originator need to know conventional, but um, they need to know FHA, they need to know VA, they need to know USDA. In other words, all the different types of products. I mean, I think that's the basics of it. And then of course, it's all about how this customer service component happens. And so if the realtor is not receiving that from the originator, I think it's great to have mobile apps. I mean, I think all of that's great. Um, and it certainly is needed because updating wasn't necessarily done. But I also think that interaction, again, there are partners to build the business based on um, finding first-time home buyers, finding individuals that are looking to buy a second home. So it's in their interest to have really a, a partnership view. And if the loan officer is not giving you what you expect, I would say go to someone else. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that uh, when you looked at one of the questions we surveyed our agents is just how many originators they work with. And, uh, and, and it was uh, pretty amazing. A lot of them had one or two. Yeah, <laughs> which I thought was kind of interesting that you, you've because, you, you know, there's so many different loan programs out there. Usually uh, any one uh, mortgage broker or even large lender, uh, you know, they've got their sweet spot where they, they, sure. they're competitive and they, they deliver well and their other niche products that maybe they don't serve as well. So uh, only a few, a small proportion really dealt with more than three. Uh, which I thought was kind of interesting, the given the diversity of the market. Um, right. Uh, so that 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 was kind of an interesting comment. And and either either uh, a it's just they've they've kind of focused on their top their top uh, lenders, and they just don't don't want to try other people. But but that does speak to you know what would a loan officer need to do to break into that that deal flow and and uh, earn that that incremental business, get their nose in the tent, as it were, to. Uh, to, to build that relationship. And also, like you say, it is uh, the real estate agent side is very diverse. Uh, you know, we, we look at the number being somewhere in excess of one and a half million agents, uh, mm -hmm. certainly more agents than properties for sale right now, right, right, right. <laughs> almost by a factor of two, if you think about, you know, the, the part-timers and such. So it's, it's really quite a challenge for them, but clearly loan officers need to cover, you know, many, 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 uh, agents to be able to get a steady flow of business. So specifically, you know, that that's where I think most, um, you know, an agent would, you know, is getting used to get solicited all the time by, you know, every vendor under the sun sure. in the old days, uh, bringing donuts by the, the brokerage office. Yeah. Uh, but now it's got to be done uh, more virtually. And, and like you say, social media, where we do a lot of work with our agents so I, I think, you know, from your perspective, the, the loan officers that are trying to break in and get that business, 
where, where, where do you see their best success in being able to make that happen? Uh, is it focusing on some niche products that they feel they can bring or just um, uh, yeah, it's I mean, like, where do you start? <laughs> you know, for a new loan officer where they're building a business, it always starts with your sphere of influence. And then you tie together consistent marketing types of efforts. And that starts from, um, you know, certainly attending events, uh, participating in um, helping the realtor market, open houses, the whole litany of things. I, I don't think any of these things are noteworthy and different. I do think what makes the difference between loan officers is the consistency of, exec of execution of how often are, when you actually look, as I said, the data on the top originators, that they are contacting their realtor partners two to three times a week not just on the loan files. So if you're a new originator, you obviously start with your sphere of influence um, and your whole marketing is creating awareness about you because the challenge that an originator has is the same as a realtor has. In your particular territory, are you known? If you're known, are you liked? And if you're liked, are you trusted? And so that is an ongoing thing that's not built in a day and requires a commitment um, that is both on the realtor side and also on the loan officer side. So our business is still about people, whether you're a realtor or a loan officer, and how do we create awareness about that we can help them is obviously why you have to develop a business plan. You have to go through targeting. What is that opportunity in your market? But it does come down to your relationships and how powerful they are. And that's the basics of attending events, posting things, doing CE classes. All of those things are the way that you show that you are um, someone that could be a trusted advisor. The one thing that I would really kind of say is that um, the, the challenge on both the realtor side and the loan officer side is relatively the same. And so it's interesting that more people don't recognize that because they really should, is that you're a 100% commissioned salesperson trying to build a book of business and you're developing of a database and your ability to reach out to them is still um, what both parties have to do. And so it is... Um, in that aspect, the same challenge. And you find partners that, that will actually understand that. Sometimes the loan officer doesn't understand that, but the, the better loan officers do. And I think obviously just talking about the arena that you said, well, the realtor only deals with one or two. Well, when you actually look at the survey from the Consumer Finance Board, the borrower only goes to one lender. And mm -hmm. so it, it's being first matters. And so yep. how do you be first? Well, you have to be known in your marketplace. You have to be active. Facebook is part of that for sure. And certainly holding events. And today you can do first big live. There's a lot of things you can do. And if you're not doing them, then obviously you're not going to do any business because people want to go to people that are known as being an expert for sure. Right, right. Yeah, that's interesting because the same on the, uh, like you say, many parallels for real estate agents. Uh, most consumers use the first real estate agent they talk to. Right. <laughs> so, right. But what's interesting, too, is uh, in studies, um, those those, uh, those same consumers, uh, very few, like 20 percent, go back and use the realtor they used before. So it's. Yeah. 
there's a real uh, retention problem that, that needs to be worked on as well in terms of maintaining contact with their very customer who potentially could be a, a repeat customer or a referral right. yeah. of other customers. So it's, it's really an interesting thing. One last point, uh, sure. uh, just to, from the research that I thought was kind of interesting, and it's probably, uh, you know, fingers pointing both ways, but one of the other kind of uh, complaints, if you will, about the loan officer partners is they're not getting enough referrals from them. Right. <laughs> And that's one of their their uh, kind of uh, pet peeves is, you know, they feel like they're sending a lot of business to their lending partner, but not getting enough uh, referrals back from the lending partner. Um, I would argue that the lending partner would probably say the same thing in their, yeah. in their court. So uh, not sure how uh, how accurate that is. But but I think that that is something today, clearly with the change dynamic that. Uh, a bought home buyer, real if they need a mortgage, they need to start there, and that's really their first conversation. Is they got to pretty much get their financial uh, perspective in line before they even look at a house because they're just wasting their time and their eight real realtors' time right. if they really don't know what they can afford and and do they have the financial capacity to even uh, afford what the homes are costing today. So which is different than the old days where it's like buying a car. You go to the car dealer and you start kicking tires. You don't even think about your finance. You, you figure you'll you'll work it out, uh, but now you can't. You've got to start with the financing first, then uh, then start looking at homes. So I think the dynamic there is obviously completely changed from a couple of years ago, where you know you typically would look at homes and go to Zillow and go to uh, your agent's site and you know dream about your next home, and then then the agent's going to say, okay, they would pre-qualify you basically right. uh, with a very simplistic uh, pre-qualification. So I'd, I'd like to hear your thoughts about that. Yeah, you raised a good point. I would say that we really are talking about, again, the average age of the originator is similar to the realtor. And so these are people that are in their early 50s and late 40s, uh, potentially. And so, you know, they're selling to a marketplace that is uh, certainly social media savvy and, and certainly tech efficient. And so this ability to get out to first time home bars, which is really uh, what is projected to be most of the market, um, is really a challenge. And so the originators have the same challenge as the realtor do. You have to do a lot of education. I think today with technology, uh, and again, your better, your better originators are doing this. I mean, I don't want to paint the picture that no one's doing this. They are. They are doing that. They're, they're on social media. They're doing Facebook Live. Um, they're providing a lot of information out to educate because the first time home buyer is going to be a series of lots of conversations. And so um, you have to look at that how are you helping them along the way? And as we know, with the realtors, it's the same with the originators is that um, the better originators have teams. And so that type of educational component can happen. So um, this is a challenge, I think, for both sides of the industry. How do you get information out? Because there's a lot of every study from Fannie, they're all doing different studies and it's not understood um, by the first time a home buyer, what are even the steps that you have to go through. So that's a responsibility, I think, of both parties to really market and do education. Um, and I think in a lot of ways, 
they, that has been something that hasn't been really done as well as it could be because there's so much misinformation. And I think now you see on TV, these companies that are marketing credit repair. And if you, if you take Netflix, you can get 10 more points or something. It, it doesn't make, it's not correct. They shouldn't be allowed to advertise, um, but they are. And so the industry, both industries need to get out there. This is the process. This is how it works. You know, let's start this. And again, the better originators are doing that in conjunction with the realtors and so I think that they do recognize that first-time home buyers understanding the market is really important they haven't purchased a home before right right yeah and, it, and it's even more challenging now than ever with uh, oh, yeah. the way prices have been, uh, increased dramatically in the last year and a half right and thankfully interest rates are still relatively low historically record low sure. still and record low territory so the financing side uh, is favorable. It's just the prices have, have gotten uh, high and are, are continuing to escalate at some uh, at some accelerated rate from the past norm. So that's that's really the the challenge for for the new home buyers. The, the train is is moving out of the station and they need to jump on it before it gets out of right, reach. Right, for sure. Um, and I think the realtors know that. And I think they've been really good at marketing per se. But I think it needs to be in conjunction with the loan officer that they have to have more of those types of partnerships because I think that's a powerful combination because you have to have the lending and you got to have the house. So they right. should be together for sure. Yeah. So. It's all financial driven. Well, yeah. this has been a great conversation, Pat. And um, I'd like to just wrap up a little bit and, and thank you again for your time and sharing your knowledge and insights from the mortgage side of the business, a very important part of the, the real estate industry. And um, maybe in, in closing, uh, you could uh, tell uh, our agents, and, and they're probably going to be loan officers in the audience as well, where can they go to, to learn more? I mean, clearly, you, you bring a wealth of information. You know, if an agent said, I need to tell my, le- my lender to go, go check this out because they need yeah. to do better what, what yeah. Pat has recommended. And, of course, the loan officers should see it as well. So what, sure. where can they go to get more couple, information? Yeah, thanks, John. A couple of things that I would suggest. I mean, I do write on the industry every week. So you can go to www.patsherlock.com and sign up for my blog. And I'm talking about sales issues and what's happening within the business. I also have a podcast that is under www w.mortgagemanagerplaybook where we publish every Monday an interview with a mortgage executive talking about different issues within our business lines. So check them out and certainly um, uh, contact me for any other questions you might have about what we talked about today. Mortgage industry is certainly just like the realtor business is in a state of change. And I think the next five to 10 years are going to be really exciting. Thanks for joining us at the Real Estate Roundtable presented by Home ASAP. For information about today's episode, including information on our guests and links shared during the episode, visit the show notes at homeasap.com. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review on the podcast platform of your choice. This has been a production of Home ASAP, the leaders in real estate marketing on Facebook. Facebook.